Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. A little bit of a non-conventional episode I'm really excited for this one. Me too. It's going to be a good one. This is a big question I get because Mm -hmm. most of the time with pelvic floor things, people understand incontinence, pain with sex, constipation. That's pretty easy to understand. But the big one that we get asked a lot that's a little more abstract and requires more thought and information is, could my low back pain be related to my pelvic floor problems or could it be coming from my pelvic floor yes yes most definitely one thousand percent you could stop the episode there yeah and thank you (laughs) thank you so much but yeah and doing some research on this was crazy just the amount of research that has shown the correlation and the relationship between low back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction like it kind of blew my mind a little bit like obviously clinically we see it quite a bit but just the vast amount of research the systematic reviews the correlations just all like the actual numbers and statistics was crazy yeah, I've got a really cool double-blind randomized control trial Ooh. that I thought we could talk through. Because oh, I would love that. That's a super fun um, little research. Those are the best. Yes. But you can't really talk about all of this without talking about the core. And core mm-hmm. is such a buzzword. I feel like that everyone likes to just throw out, oh, core. Yeah, strengthen your core, tight core, especially with it being the summer months. It's like, let's flatten up that tummy or whatever, which is BS. You can't spot reduce fat. Sorry to break your heart, but. But if you do 100 crunches a day, yes, you can. No, not really. Oh, so sorry. Oh, that's why no. I'm not the bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, core is definitely, it's a like you said, it's a big buzzword in physical therapy in just kind of rehab as a whole, I think, especially in what we treat in correlation with the pelvic floor. But it really comes down to, and I think we kind of talked about this when we talked about our digestive system episode, I think in there, how all of these players kind of come together to create this abdominopelvic cavity. And that is yes. like my favorite way to describe it to patients is it is a cavity. It is a pop can. That is what your abdomen is. The pelvic floor is the bottom. The diaphragm is the top and your core muscles are the sides. They all play a role. They all have a very significant and very important role to play in your spinal stability, in your digestive system, in your pelvic floor function, in your breathing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on. And the the treatment for low back pain, if you look at the research, it should be changing because used to the whole treatment for low back pain was focus on core stability, which if you asked 10 therapists what core stability means, you'd probably get 10 different answers and it would just be like, I just have my patients do bridges and clams and dead bugs and that's it. But what the research is showing us now is that the most effective way to treat back pain is really just growth, intense strengthening combined with pelvic floor, mm-hmm. addressing any pelvic floor dysfunction is actually what the research is now showing mm-hmm. is the best way to address that low back pain. Yeah. And one thing that I want to touch on real quick too, is that when it comes to 
back pain. A lot of times we don't really know where it's coming from. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And as a physical therapist, like I can admit that straight up be like, I don't, I have no idea what's causing your back pain. I believe you. I believe that you're in pain, but I don't know if it's, you know, because you're not stabilizing your core when you're lifting. I don't know if it's because you have, you know, discs are a little bit easier to suss out than other other pathologies, but is it a disc? Is it a facet hypertrophy? Is it osteophytes? Is it lack of stabilization? Is it a weakness? Is it an overactivity? Is it maybe some muscle tension through some of those, you know, support muscles? There are so, so, so many different things that can cause low back pain. So don't freak out. It's not... you know, I think some people kind of get into this, like, oh my gosh, my low back hurts. I'm, I'm doomed. I'm done for, I'm going to live like this the rest of my life. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Just because we might not know the exact specific, you know, level or pathology that's causing that pain doesn't mean we can't treat it. And what the research does show us, it literally, they call it unspecified low back pain. Mm -hmm. And you know what that responds extremely well to? physical therapy. Yeah. I mean, you can find research after research after research about the benefits for this unspecified low back pain that can come from physical therapy. And so that is huge. Number one is just the pain science education with people telling them you don't have to live with this just because maybe you saw your father get fusion after fusion or disc surgery or whatever. And now you think, okay, now it's starting with me. That doesn't have to be the case. Something that makes this unspecified low back pain so difficult to know where it's coming from is this concept of referred pain, mm-hmm. which all, all referred pain, that sounds kind of like a fancy word. It just means pain that is felt at a part of the body other than the actual source. So it's pretty similar. I don't know if you've ever heard about someone, they'll have gallbladder problems, but they'll feel pain in their shoulder. Mm-hmm. or heart problems and it's in their shoulder. I mean, there's there's all kinds of weird referral patterns in the body. Just because our nerves that supply sensation, they have several branches, several sources. And so sometimes the brain just gets confused on where that's coming from. And so we can get what's called referred pain, which means we'll feel it, but the source is actually somewhere completely different. If you've ever had a massage before and they get working on, you know, a particularly tense area, it's like, oh, I feel that, you know, all the way up into my head or I feel that down my arm. It's like you're working on, you know, my trap muscles, but I feel that into my jaw. Like when Kelly sticks needles in me, we've (laughs) talked like we've talked a little bit about dry needling and what it does. One of these days we'll have an episode on dry needling the pelvic floor. But when Kelly sticks needles in my traps, I'm like, okay, so I feel that in my jaw. I feel that in my ear like in my ear canal I feel that in my eyeball I'm like I know you're not sticking needles in my eyeball but because of those muscle connections and those nerve connections we get that referred pain which makes it hard to kind of pinpoint as a patient especially if you don't have this in-depth anatomy that a doctor of physical therapy would you know we don't really it can kind of freak us out a little bit where it's just like where is this pain even coming from all I know is that I hurt And so that's where kind of our exam comes in. We start trying to tease out what could be the possible sources. And sometimes it's not we find the exact source. It's more we find limitations and we start addressing whatever limitations are found. 
I want to go back to this concept of the core because I found a really, you talked about it as it being this cavity and a really good way to kind of define the core or talk about the core that we're talking about. Because a lot of people just think it's the six pack muscles, right? Mm -hmm. Those four. And we've talked ad nauseum about how it's more than that. And the way you can kind of think of the pelvic floor is it's an anticipatory muscle group. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Which means if you're going to raise your arm before you've even raised your arm, your pelvic floor is stabilizing along with your other anticipatory core muscles, such as the respiratory diaphragm, the transversus abdominis, the multifidus, all of these muscles, those are already activating to stabilize your trunk because that's where the movement originates from. So all of your movement really originates from your pelvic floor when you think about it. That was beautiful. The way I kind of explain it to some of my patients, I'm like, okay, picture the spine, right? Just picture a skeleton, get that in your head. Our spine extends all the way from our head, all the way down to our pelvis in the cervical spine, which is the neck in that segment on the back side, right? We have the spine, we have the bones on the front side. We have another bone, the hyoid bone that helps to connect a lot of cartilage and muscles that allow us to speak and swallow and do all the things. We also have this dense, dense fiber cartilage that sits at the front of our neck, makes the Adam's apple, right? We have that structural support, that dense and very, very strong fiber cartilage in the front as well. So not only do we have the bony support in the back, in the back from the spine, we have a little bit of bony support in the front from that hyoid bone and some really, really dense fiber cartilage and musculature that sits up in the front. Move a little bit down. We have the thoracic spine. This is where all of your ribs connect. And so not only, again, do we have that backward stability, the backside stabilization of the bones, but we also have the ribs that surround our entire chest. We have the breastbone. We have the collarbone. We have the shoulder girdle that gives that thoracic spine that stabilization there. Go down to the lumbar spine. You got the lumbar spine. That's it. (laughs) End of story. We don't have any bones in the front of our stomach. That would look ridiculous. We don't have any of that really dense fibrocartilage like we do up in the neck. We have our muscles and we have our core muscles. And so that's what Kelly is talking about is these anticipatory core muscles. If they have to kind of contract and activate properly, we need to know where they are. We need to know how to use them. And that is what a lot of times gives us that forwards and backwards and 360 degrees support of our lumbar spine is these muscles and that is why they are so important and we go back to now the concept is more on growth strengthening versus just the core because the core has no choice but to activate we talk about it being this anticipatory your if your core didn't work you'd just be a pile you'd be a bag of bones yeah on the floor And so when you strengthen the body globally, you take some of the pressure and the responsibility off that core where it doesn't have to be the only thing holding you together. When we emphasize good, healthy movements, proper muscle balance, it just helps the body work in harmony a little bit better. And so that's where we come in. If you're having this back pain is we try and figure out where is the disconnect what is is it one location is it more location to what extent is the pelvic floor involved and there's going to be a lot of factors that play into that such as have you had a child 
how old are you? What are the hormone, hormonal changes like? All the things we've talked about that affect the pelvic floor can affect that back pain as well. Something very, very interesting is when we've talked, y'all know what overactivity is if you've been listening for any length of time. A lot of times when you're ha- when patients are having back pain, if it's that referred pain we've talked about, when we do that internal exam, I'll put my finger on, there's a couple of muscles that we know for sure refer to the low back, but then there's others that we suspect might as well. But almost always there's a few you can put your finger on and they're like, that's my back pain. That mm-hmm. feels a lot like my back pain. And so while their back pain may have, they may be pointing to maybe the L5, L4 area, it can be as low as the pelvic floor and that pain is just referring up from those sensory nerves we talked about. If you look up, I want everybody to stop what you're doing. If you're driving, don't do this. Wait until later. But look up pelvic floor muscle anatomy and Google images. And you will find there will be a couple of really good pictures that come up that have not only the pelvic floor muscles, but also some of the back muscles as well. And you can see these guys are neighbors. They are neighbors. They are right next to each other. They are like the connections are literally centimeters away from each other centimeters and so I think one of the things that was fantastic that we really learned in PT school was if you have a patient that comes in let's say for example they have shoulder pain don't really know what it is that's going on but they just have this shoulder pain if you're not looking at their neck and if you're not looking at their thoracic spine you're doing that patient a disservice you have got to look up and downstream of where this problem is kind of where we suspect this problem is originating from because nine times out of 10, even if they, okay, maybe it's knee pain, but really what's going on is a glute weakness that's changing their gait mechanics and causing too much pressure on one side of the knee versus the other. And it's causing more degeneration on that area that's carrying more load than it should be. Well, we fix the glute weakness up in the hip. We're going to fix the knee pain and simple like little, little things like that. And the pelvic floor is the exact same way. And so is the low back, right? Especially if we've had, you know, some of these other symptoms that might kind of clue us in, okay, maybe the pelvic floor is involved. Are we having incontinence? Have you had pelvic surgeries? Um, You know, any hormonal changes, things like that that can really clue us in that, okay, not only are the, is the low back involved, but the pelvic floor muscles are involved here as well. And I would encourage any orthopedic physical therapist who is treating low back pain, specifically if it's not getting better, ask those questions, the pelvic floor screening questions. I know they're uncomfortable and they're awkward, but once you've built a rapport with your patient, we're in the medical field. Ask mm-hmm. the tough questions. Are you having any incontinence, any constipation, pain with intercourse? Did you have a traumatic childbirth? Was there tearing? If Have you had a hysterectomy? Did they take your ovaries? They okay. take your gallbladder out. We, yeah. we talked about that gallbladder. It's just pesky. So there's a very, very clear correlation between low back pain and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. Whether that's weakness or overactivity, you can find that again and again in the research. The good news is there's treatment for it. And so often in the beginning, when patients would tell me they like they would casually mention low back pain or sometimes they wouldn't even mention it at all because they were there to see me for incontinence or pain with intercourse or whatever. 
And as we went through treatment, I started noticing people would say, oh, and by the way, like my back pain is significantly better. Mm -hmm. So I got to where I just ask about it. And usually it's like, oh, I've had that for 20 Mm -hmm. years or whatever. And I'm like, huh, fun story. Um, That might actually get better as we start to address these things. In fact, I I plan on it getting better. I plan on it. (laughs) And it's part of my treatment plan, actually. (laughs) So just to kind of prove what we're talking about, because... I'm hoping you guys trust us, but if you're a new listener and you don't trust <laughs> us, I wanted to kind of go over this um, double-blind randomized control trial that I found called Pelvic Floor Muscle Exercise for Chronic Low Back Pain. And this was published in 2017 from in the Journal of Internal Medical Research. And essentially, they noticed that 60 to 80% of people worldwide, which is a huge percent of the population, millions of people, were affected at some point in their lives in some way by low back pain. And so they were like, how do we fix this? Like, what is going on here? What is the cause of this? And they wanted to know, is, does the pelvic floor play a role? Could addressing the pelvic floor in combination with these other things be beneficial? So they took patients, they took 50 patients, and kind of what excluded people was you couldn't have a constant pain of greater than eight. You couldn't have had any prior pelvic floor therapy or any kind of, couldn't have had your pelvic floor addressed previously. You couldn't have had any spinal or pelvic surgeries. And you couldn't have progressive neurological deficits, structure anomaly, or infection, or anything like that, which rules out, Rachel talked about the disc dysfunction. That, Like she said, that's a little more easy to diagnose, put your finger on. And the treatment for that is going to be a little bit different because we're less, not that the pelvic floor couldn't be involved, but there's just other things that are priority when you're addressing a disc dysfunction. Kind of like if you hear hooves in New York City think horses, not zebras, that kind of thing, when it's a little bit more obvious it's coming from the disc. So this was more just that unspecified low back pain that we've been talking about. So all of these patients received a 24-week treatment, um, and both programs were led by Regical Regical, <laughs> registered <laughs> physical therapists and just combined it all. That's a fun word. Yeah. So the first group just got lumbar strengthening. So just, I think it was multifidus, everything like bridges things like that that you think of when you think of regular traditional core stabilization quote-unquote programs the other group had pelvic floor training so it was specific they wanted to make sure proper contraction proper relaxation pelvic floor muscle training and strengthening and they used um Different, several different outcome measures, and at the end of this 24 weeks, what they found was that there was significantly better improvements in the people that had had the pelvic floor muscle Beautiful. training. So, all of that to say, we got to be looking at the pelvic floor, especially if there, I mean, we should be incorporating it, I think, in any kind of low back pain, but especially if someone has given birth or is having incontinence or any kind of other issues that might clue you into low back pain or to the pelvic floor involvement, we got to address that piece of the puzzle as well. Absolutely. So what are some risk factors of having this kind of correlation? Pregnancy and childbirth 
age, hormonal changes, obesity, and pelvic surgery. So, um, a lot of these, a lot of these people, like, like we talked about, they have these pre-existing kind of concordant symptoms with incontinence, GI problems, breathing disorders. These women were, have been found to be a little bit more likely to develop low back pain without these problems. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, chicken or the egg kind of thing, which came first, what is causing what hard to say, but the current evidence shows that individuals with low back pain have a significant decrease in pelvic floor function. Um, and you know, the true correlation is yet to be established again, you know, okay, pelvic floor dysfunction comes first and then we have low back pain or low back pain comes first and we have pelvic floor dysfunction. Hard to say, but it is that multifaceted approach and we can treat both. And I think my biggest takeaway from this is we need to stop looking at them separately. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the pelvic floor seems to be excluded from the core. I don't know. In traditional orthopedic physical therapy. But for whatever reason, it does. It's like we just forget about it. And Rachel talked about that whole abdominal core cavity being like a soda can. We all want the bottom of our soda can. If not, everything else just falls out. Exactly. And that's kind of what happens without your pelvic floor. Without that, we have no bottom support and so like I said that's where all of our movement originates from most of most people their center of gravity is around s2 which means your sacral joint the second little joint in the sacrum and that's really close to where all those pelvic floor muscles attach from which means our center of gravity is being stabilized quite a bit by our pelvic floor yeah it's literally the pelvis is the foundation of our house literally if we don't have that stability, we don't get the same mobility and the same functional mobility anywhere outside of the pelvis. Um, this website that I'm on right now is called Physiopedia. Oh, I love that. This website, I think, saved my life in PT school so many times because it's definitely in PT school. It's very easy to get kind of lost in the weeds. And just this website was very, very helpful and just kind of like breaking it down like okay here's like the big chunks of what you need to know about each individual thing go get more specific as you need to but it's just like okay this is this special test this is this you know impairment this is what we think about all the things and it has all of their research articles and citations down at the bottom which is fabulous it's like on the office when oscar's trying to explain to michael what a surplus is and michael's like explain it to me like i'm five that's what physiopedia does <laughs> it explains it to you at a level you can understand what is the dorsal column medial lumniscus i don't know but physiopedia will tell me i don't know nobody tell dr sawyer <laughs> dr sawyer would be so upset but it literally has everything and it has like a full article on the um, or a full post on low back pain and pelvic floor disorders, which is just so beautiful. And there's a really good picture. I'm going to show it to Callie, but you can look it up if you want to. That shows the beautiful. hip, the pelvic floor and some of the low back muscles that are some pesky little problem children when it comes to low back pain. Like you got somebody with low back pain and you touch this muscle, they're going to want to punch you in the face. They're like, no, don't touch that. I read that exact thing in preparation for this. So did you scroll all the way down to where it had literally like a progression? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it's it kind beautiful. of, it, yeah, it's, 
it really is. It really is. It literally has just this progression of breathing to strengthening to impact activities to core stabilizations. It does have a few videos on some core exercises. Again, if you want to make sure that you're doing this properly and again, making sure that these exercises are actually appropriate for you, please, please, please come in and see us. We will absolutely make sure that you are again, that these exercises are appropriate for you in the first place, that we are progressing them at the right pace for you and for your symptoms um, and making those exercises meaningful to you as well. So I have a couple patients that I'm treating right now who are wanting to get back to running that have had a little bit of incontinence, a little bit of pain, a little bit of problems with running. And so that's what we focus on in therapy. If doing plyometrics and, you know, box jumps and CrossFit type exercises is not for you. If you've never done CrossFit in your life, we're not going to do CrossFit in here. Like we're going to make these exercises functional for you and, you know, appropriate for you and what you want to get back to. And something, one of my clinical instructors, this was one of the most valuable things I learned. They said, what do most personal trainers overlook when starting exercises or starting a program for a new client. And I was like, I don't know. And they're like the basics. They overlook the basics. And so I don't care if somebody comes in and they're like, I've been powerlifting for 20 years and or I run six miles a day. That's great. I still want to assess the basics. And one of the when it comes to core strengthening, core pelvic floor anything, the most overlooked thing in my opinion is breathing. Oh my gosh. Proper breathing. I have one patient. We've spent two months just on breathing. Normal breathing pattern, because we mentioned those muscles are part of the core. You should have slight lateral excursion of the ribs, which means of the lower ribs, which means you shouldn't be breathing through your chest. And most people breathe through their chest. They don't ever really expand that diaphragm. And that actually can cause some problems and some imbalances in some of that activation. And so if you're not breathing properly, if you're not utilizing your diaphragm when you're breathing, that can cause just kind of a domino effect. And so we've got to establish that. That's why I loved that that was the first thing That listed. is literally step one. You've yeah. got to start there because yeah. everything else kind of falls underneath that. Everything else comes after that. Again, proper breathing patterns, the way that we've talked about how the diaphragm and the pelvic floor kind of work together. If you don't have that established, then if we go and just jump right into doing, you know, hang cleans and you're holding your breath or you're not breathing properly, we're doing you a disservice because we haven't assessed, we haven't addressed that very, very first step in the whole process, which is your breathing. Are those muscles firing appropriately? Are you getting that expansion? Is the pelvic floor descending? All the things that we have in our little pelvic PT check checklist in our brain is, you know, that is literally step one. Like I said, I have a patient, we've literally spent two months just on breathing because when she breathes in, now she holds it and then doesn't want to breathe out and she does a Kegel. She contracts as she breathes in, should be the opposite. Yes. And so that's literally what we've been focusing on and getting that coordination with as she moves, because it's not like you can just lay down. Like I'm 
she's a grown adult woman, like she has things to do. And so making sure that she is getting that, you know, those appropriate cues of exhaling with effort and relaxing as she breathes in and things like that are so, so, so important as she goes on about her day and does all the things that she needs to do as a grown adult human woman. We got to walk before we're able to run. And so you got to breathe properly before you can go do 50,000 crunches a day. Please don't do 50,000 crunches a day, though. <laughs> I never have anybody do crunches, honestly. No, I don't either. It's not. There's so many. On a side note, yeah. So much, so <laughs> There's so many, many better, better things. Ways so many better things. Address the core. Mm-hmm. But. So that's kind of how it's all related in a nutshell. If that sounded very confusing and like we took a roundabout way to explain that, that's because low back pain is not black and white Mm-mm. you every someone could come in with pain in the exact same place five people could come in with pain in the exact same place in their low back and there could be five different reasons and we're going to treat it five different ways exactly exactly so. and that's what's again we've talked about this before that's what's so hard about this job because people are like well what do I do for low back pain I, I had a baby and now I have low back pain what do I do like, I don't know. Is it coming from the lumbar spine? Is it coming from the pubic symphysis? Is it coming from the SI joint? Like there are so, so, so many different things. It's like, like we said, this is a multifaceted approach. Um, one thing that they drilled into us in PT school was treat the impairments, not the diagnosis. Treat the impairments, not the diagnosis. If you come into us and we get the script from the doctor that just says pelvic floor dysfunction, I, that tells me nothing. That tells me absolutely nothing. Are those muscles weak? Are they overactive? Are they lacking endurance? Do we need more coordination? Like that is why we do our internal assessments. It's why we have our full, like I said, that full checklist that we have in our, in our brains of, okay, I need to look at this. I need to look at this. Okay. So I have a weakness here and overactivity here. This joint doesn't move quite as well. And this muscle is really tight. So we're going to stretch that one, do some joint mode, strengthen over here, do this over here and slowly, but surely all the pieces kind of start falling together. So it looks different for everyone. And it's so different. It's not just you the kind of the old line of thinking was, oh, stretch a tight muscle, strengthen a weak one. And it's so much more complicated than that. I mean, you've gotta address it from a joint muscle and neurological perspective. You've gotta look at gotta look at the everything. whole picture. So the long and the short of it is low back pain is very complicated, but you can be successful in treating it, especially if there's pelvic floor involvement and you utilize pelvic floor therapy in combination with a lot of other things. Absolutely. So if you are a PT, ask the hard questions. Um, the way I phrase it, especially if my patient, I'm like, okay, it's so like, what brings you? And they're like, well, I have low back pain. I'm like, mm. But what else do you have? <laughs> I tell them, listen, I'm going to ask yeah. you a bunch of questions that are going to seem like they have absolutely nothing to do with what is going on with you and your symptoms, but it'll give me an idea if another muscle group is involved and if we need to shift our focus there, especially if your patients aren't getting better and they're not progressing, like you've addressed the impairments, you've addressed, you know, the range of motion and the strength and all the things in the lumbar spine and in the core and they're still still just not quite better ask the pelvic floor questions so shout out to our clinic this will be my patient one i guess we have really good therapists here we have a whole pelvic floor team so our orthos are very 
in tune. They listen to us rant enough to know what to look for. And one of the orthos had a low back pain patient who just wasn't getting better. She'd made some progress, but just, it'd been a while and it just wasn't better. So they sent her to me. Her pelvic floor lit up like a Christmas tree when we did that (laughs) internal exam. All kinds of overactivities, all the, all the things reproduced her pain she was having. And so we had to address the pelvic floor and we haven't really started treatment. We've just done the exam, but I anticipate she's going to do very, very well. And so it's just things like that. It's like sometimes if it's just, if you're a therapist, trust your therapist's gut because some, if it's like something's a little off, they're not really responding like they should. Let's check out the pelvic floor. It's not that they're malingering. It's not that they, you know, don't want to get better or, you know, well, they might just want to be, they might just want to come hang out with you if you're super fun. But, um, yeah, pelvic floor is definitely a big player. So Mm -hmm. do you have a patient one? I do. This one makes me so happy. (laughs) Oh man. So I have a patient. She is young. She is 22. Um, she came to me six weeks ago, I want to say, and she was having pretty excruciating pain with sex. And she told me, she was like me and my husband, we waited until we were married. And so I anticipated, I expected a little bit of pain, a little bit of discomfort, you know, the first few times, but it has not gotten better. She was like, I told my sister about it. And she was like, no, that is not normal. Like you need to go, you need to tell your doctor about it. And so we've been working on just relaxation, down training, positioning techniques, um, and even a lot of leg strengthening. And she was able to have sex for the first time ever without pain. I love it. Ever. I love it. Ever, ever, ever. And I was, I was so excited. She said she had just like the tiniest, tiniest bit of discomfort, but was able to kind of shift and maneuver, use all the things that we talked about and they were able to successfully have intercourse to completion, both of them fantastic. And I was just like, that is the best news that I could have gotten on this Monday morning. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just made my day. I love her. I love it. I love my job. I love that you talked about the leg, introducing the leg strengthening because a lot of times we're like, oh, overactivity, we got to calm that down. Sometimes calming down a muscle that is overactive means strengthening other muscles. Strengthening the neighbors. Often. It's just like we talked about with the low back. That's why that global strengthening Mm -hmm. is huge because then the, the muscles that can't help but to contract get overworked. And so if we can strengthen everything, so that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, um, if you've ever seen Spider-Man where he is like holding the two sides of the cruise ship together and it's just like (laughs) him holding together this massive ship with his little spider webs, that's your pelvic floor. When you have weak glutes, weak, weak hip flexors, weak hamstrings, that's your pelvic floor trying to hold you together all by itself. And so we've been strengthening all of her other muscles and not only has it taken a lot of pressure off of her pelvic floor but um position wise like we talked about if you have pain with sex the female well again this is in a female to male situation um 
if as a female you are having pain with penetration, with deeper thrusts, you being on top of your male partner can help you control literally every aspect and he's just none the wiser and just happy to be involved, but you can control everything. And so her legs were a little bit weak to the point where like her leg muscles were fatiguing being on top rather than her having pain and so now it's just like okay let's just improve your endurance let's just make your legs and your your hamstrings and glutes stronger so that way you can maintain that position for longer i love it and it's working like a charm i love it it's good stuff we i love doing these patient wins because every every week when we're seeing people i'm like oh that's a win that's a win and you guys' wins are great. We love it for you. But it feels like a win for us. Like it really the, does. The job satisfaction oh here gosh. for us, I mean, for everyone that I've talked to, is just awesome because there's something so fulfilling about giving these people the tools to help themselves and then watching them implement the tools and then get better. And just the change this can really make in people in their lives and their quality of life. It's just, it really does just blow my mind. And it's, it's one of those things where going to the bathroom, being able to poop like a normal person, having sex with your husband, like those things going through your day without back pain. Exactly. Those things are just, they're things that we take for granted when they're working properly. And when things aren't working, it just, it makes us realize how big of an impact that truly does have on our quality of life. Like these things, voiding, going to the bathroom, having sex, just everything is at such a basic part of our brain is such a basic function of our brain and our humanity. And I think being able to give that back to somebody is just the most rewarding, rewarding thing. I've had so many patients tell me like, I feel like a human being again, or, you know, I feel like a 26 year old again. Like this is, you know, I actually feel like myself after, you know, going through therapy and it's, like you said, it's just the most rewarding thing ever. And it's so awesome watching these patients become empowered. Mm-hmm. Because when you have problems like this, in some way they lose that control, like literally of their blood, which makes of their bladder, of their bat, whatever. So then it makes them, they feel like a loss of control in their lives often. Not everyone, but most of the time. And so when you're able to empower these patients teach them how to take their health into their own hands. That's what I love about a lot of pelvic floor. It's behavioral modification. Mm -hmm. And so you put that power, that control back in their hands and it's like, this is what you can start doing. And then to watch them implement that and succeed is just chef's kiss. I mean, I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So come see us. Let us help you. Like we want to, we want to, we want to help you. We want to see you. Um, we're optimal physical therapy in Amarillo, Texas. Um, we do have links to a website where you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist near you. If you are not here in Amarillo and can't come see us, but yeah. That was another, that's a podcast one. Um, We had someone write in on the Instagram asking, they had all these problems and they were like, how do I find a therapist near me? And they used our locator, the ATP, American Physical Therapy Association's locator. I don't, I haven't heard any follow-up, but in my mind, I'm imagining them getting care and getting better and it's, it's awesome. It's the best. It's the best. Okay. PSA for this week is your core is so much more than your six pack muscles. 
so much more so much more okay thank you guys for listening to another episode hope you guys like this one it was a little a little different than what we usually talk about but i i had fun but i always have fun so i always have fun doing (laughs) these but if you did like what you heard feel free to subscribe leave leave us a rating or review again that just helps us be more visible to somebody who might be searching for the answers we provide on the show so by doing those things you might be helping out somebody else but that is it for this week so we got we will see you guys next week and i know we've been promising a super special guest it's happening barring any complications it is happening Listen, nobody's allowed to give birth okay we need her so if you feel that baby coming just suck it right back suck it right back (laughs) because that's how we're joking obviously do a really hard kegel (laughs) for legal reasons this is a joke yes yes absolutely but we will see you guys in the next one (laughs) thank you and goodbye